Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another episode of Here We Go. It's the Steelers Show. This is Fans First Sports Networks, Steel Curtain Networks. Here we go, the Steelers Show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. With me is the coach getting ready for his fill-in-the-blank, Kevin, your blank season as head coach of... Ocean City High School, the Red Raiders in Ocean City, New Jersey. What season is this? Uh, this is 13. 13 is the head man and 29 altogether. So all right. Been, uh, a lot of put a lot of a lot of wear and tear on that sideline. Okay, let's fill in the next blank at this next number. How many seasons as a Steeler fan getting ready to enjoy training camp? Ooh, all right. That's an excellent question. Let's see. So I'm 53 and it was, I think I was six when I first Super Bowl 10. So we're, we're talking about 47 years. Wow. Which, uh, interesting number, right? We're, we're going to, we're going to come back to that one. I think at some point in this show. Yeah, I, I definitely think that we will for, for me, I think is being really cognizant. I would probably say I'm around 44. Yes. As Two know. conclusions from that, Brian. One, I mean, we are tried and true lifelong Steeler fans. I, I mean, think we are. I believe and that's going died in the wool. Yeah, yeah. But two, that just made us sound old. Oh, yeah, of course. So, I'm faking that. <laughs> I don't feel old, but when you start saying that I've been doing a certain thing for 47 years, I'm yeah. like, oh, my God, yeah. I'm old. But that just shows how committed you are. And how you okay. got into it early. Let's just yeah. do that. It won't be too long before I'm going to be committed. So yeah. <laughs> hey, I I'll be in the uh, I'll be in the bunk next to you. How about that? Uh, hey, quick, real quick. Uh, as the music, as the intro music was playing, um, I I was reminded. We were, my wife and I were out with some friends the other night, and we went out to grab some dinner, and we were at this this bar, and there was a, a reggae band playing, and they were like kind of like an upbeat reggae, almost like a ska type sound and in the middle of one of their songs my wife turned to me and she said these guys should be the intro music to your podcast with brian she's like this would be a, a funky intro and i said well you know we got we got jerry cherry i don't mean any uh any disrespect but it was she sees this as a ska kind of thing yeah i, don't I mean well the uh well she probably hears this intro and worst looking man a fantastic song yeah. and probably feels that hey we're we we're kind of uh Rocking and bubbly, because I think that's what worst looking man is. It's rocking and bubbly. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I think we're too old dudes. Up, man. We, uh, we ever want to switch it up? I'll track these guys down. All right. Yeah. I mean, I love me some reggae and ska. Yeah. All right. It's an exciting week, isn't it, Brian? Yeah. It's training camp. Look, everybody is doing training camp previews wherever you go on Fans First Sports Network, and I hope you do, and I hope you check out other teams as well. Of course, you're going to listen to the full slate of Steel Curtain Network podcasts, especially, here we go, the Steelers show here. But yesterday's show, Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman, where they looked at the 53-man roster. Jeff and Dave Schofield together. Always a very good show. We had another episode of Bad Language, another episode of The Hangover. And later on today, The Fix is back. We're not just looking at... Uh, you're drafting in the future, but drafting your fantasy football teams as you know, the fix could be so many things. That's Andrew Wilbar. That is Jeremy Betts. But 
if you look across the networks, if you're looking across all of the platforms here on Fans First, whether you're a fan of the 49ers or the Raiders or the Dolphins or the Broncos or the Tennessee Titans, there's so many more. We have so many NFL feeds. We also have the NFL feed with KT Smith doing the call sheet. So there's so many other teams to, to look at too. And what are they talking about? They're talking about training camp previews. That's all the way across the board. We're doing that here on Steel Curtain Network. But KT, you and I were talking. We're different. We go against the grain. We decide that, you know, you know, the norm is not good enough for us. So instead of talking about all the issues that we think that the Steelers need to address and all the storylines that are going to come up, you know, you will hear shows, top five storylines, and those are very good shows. But the big thing for us is what are things that we as Steeler fans and the media are barely talking about, but maybe we should talk about more. Kevin, have you thought about that? Bigfoot. I think Bigfoot. Is Bigfoot real? And where can we locate Bigfoot? I think that should be a conversation that is not talked about enough here at the Steel Curtain Network. Well, I can answer that. You get a time machine. <laughs> you go back to the year 2001, and that's when Casey Hampton was drafted. So number 98 was probably the biggest, probably the biggest Bigfoot we're going to see in a Pittsburgh Steeler uniform. Absolutely. But to answer your question, um, yeah, what are some of the things that are maybe maybe fringe issues, right, that uh, that don't get addressed a lot and uh, could wind up being really important, you know, really crucial to the success of the Steelers in the long run. Uh, so that'll be our topic. So yeah, what are we Kevin, starting with? Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, I was going to say so. So, uh, I mean, if, let, let's let's talk. Let's start with a point that an issue that is being addressed a lot, but maybe from a different perspective. So so a lot of conversation about Matt Canada's offense and what to expect from it. And what most people seem to anticipate is that he's going to double down on the run game. And you look at the offseason acquisitions, uh, the, the bolstering of the offensive line, bringing in Isaac Sayamalu and Nate Herbig and drafting Broderick Jones and go getting the big tight end from Georgia, Darnell Washington. feels like all those moves are designed to make the Steelers more physical, more run first up, up front. But, but what if they're not? It's really interesting when you think about some of the things you've read about Kenny Pickett this offseason, the improvements that he's made, he's bigger, he's stronger, his arm looks better. It seems as though he's really primed to make a year two leap. He's actually, I don't know if you noticed this or not, Brian, but he's actually getting a little bit of love from the national media recently. There's some national pundits that have been writing about uh, how Pickett's a, a prime candidate uh, to you know make a huge leap this year, et cetera. And so so what if Matt Canada is, is kind of all in on that? What if he sees the offense not necessarily running through Najee Harris in the run game, but, but Kenny Pickett in the passing game? It wouldn't be shocking. Okay, I take that back. It would be shocking if he did it, but it wouldn't be uh, unique because he's done that before when Matt Canada was a, a college coordinator and he had Jacoby Brissett at NC State. He put in a wide open offense and they slung the ball all over the place because he felt like that was the recipe that gave them the best chance for success. So it'd be really interesting to see if the Steelers wind up throwing it a lot more than people think. So basically what you're saying is that we should go ahead and summon Boy George 
Roy Moss and the rest of Culture Club to do a reboot of their song Karma Chameleon to Canada Chameleon, KT. Canada Chameleon. He, because he is. It's true. Uh, when you Again, you look at his college career, and he was at Northern Illinois, and he was really one of the first coordinators back in 2010, 2011, with a quarterback named Jordan Lynch, to go heavy on the quarterback zone read run game. He was a, a zone read guy when – you know, a lot of teams really weren't doing that yet. Uh, and then he goes to Wisconsin and he completely remakes himself as a 22 personnel, you know, like in your face, smash mouth football team. And then he winds up at NC State and he's slinging the ball all over the place, spreading the field and letting Jacoby Brissett chuck it around. And then he goes to Pitt and it's this hodgepodge of that's 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 kind of when he makes his mark as like this sort of innovator with the shifts and the motions and the unusual formations. And he's throwing the ball to tackles and he's doing all the, all these creative things. Uh, he's at Maryland and, and he's back to sort of like a spread scheme. He's at LSU and he's playing power football. I mean, he's just doing what suits his personnel best. And it feels as though the Steelers are suited best to be a power run team, but they also have a lot of weapons. Uh, at the receiver position, when you look at their their top three of George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, and uh, and now Allen Robinson, and you combine them with with Pat Fryermuth and and Darnell Washington, there's an awful lot of receiving targets that Kenny Pickett has at his disposal. And if Pickett turns out to to make a sophomore leap like the one Trevor Lawrence made in Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, you know, had an up and down rookie year, and then in his second season last year was excellent we might just see a little Air Canada. That's a very interesting thing. So it seems to me that what you're saying, KT, is if you have mozzarella and a jar of sauce and some dough, you make a pizza. But if you've got a, a pig and a chicken, you're baking an eggs. <laughs> you're not making a pizza with, with a, a pig and a chicken, no. No, but no. you're baking and an eggs, right? But here's the interesting thing. When you look at the Steelers' offense, and I, I, I don't want to try to like over, overplay this, overhype it, because we do have to be realistic. The Steelers are 26th in the NFL in points last year, 18.1 points a game. That, that's really not, not good. I mean, they, they need to do a lot better than that to be competitive with the best teams in the league. Uh, but, but when you look at the upgrades that they've made, and then some of the additions, right? Bringing in Robinson, bringing in Washington, getting Calvin Austin back. Then the anticipated growth of the young players, Pickens and Pickett. It's easy to forget that Harrison Fryermuth will just be entering into their third years, both of them, and, and they're continuing to grow. And it's also easy to forget, like, Don, Deontay Johnson isn't exactly a grizzled veteran yet either. I mean, there's still more uh, growth to his game. There's a lot of weapons at their disposal. And so I think the Steelers are are in a position on offense to be able to win games in multiple ways, right? They can be a ground and pound team that sets up the pass with the run game and tries to play action you when you overcompensate to stop the run. But they also might be able to be a team that can spread you out and chuck the ball around. And I don't know if that's what they want to be, but I, I believe that they're sort of talented enough to be that team if they if they desire to be that team or if they have to be that team so we might who knows we might just see at times maybe not a steady diet of it but at times a really different offense than everybody's anticipating 
Yeah, and that would be refreshing because nobody knows. Now, this is one of the reasons we're talking about Matt Canada here is you said this at the beginning, but nobody has come out and said that, hey, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be a run-first team. We have assumed that because not only do you have Nye Harris, you have Jalen Warren. You have number 30 joining number 22 in the backfield, and that is a pretty good one-two punch. But you also brought in guys like Allen Robinson that you expect to catch the football. Sure, Darnell Washington is here, but he knows how to catch a football too. He's just not, he was not brought in to be a blocking tight end. So there are so many different things that can happen. We have heard so much about Pat Fryermuth, and if he's healthy, he's ready. A lot of people are thinking he's ready to make that next step into Travis Kelsey land, George Kittle. Vania and things like that. Yeah, that's another thing that I think is, is really interesting. It's easy to forget about Pat Fryermuth because so much attention has been paid elsewhere with all the the shiny new toys on the offensive side of the ball, whether they be up front or at the receiver position. And and then and all those conversation about the tight ends has been about Washington, who uh, I just I can't wait. I, when, when I go to training camp, I'm going to training camp on August 3rd. I just can't wait to to watch him and just, I want to see how he moves. I want to see, he appears to on film, catch the ball so easily, just have this really natural, easy hands to the ball, uh, relaxed hands, relaxed body positioning, et cetera. But you, you know, you really get a feel for it when you see them up live. Um, and the one thing I noticed last year when I was at, at training camp in person was how massive Zach Gentry was because Gentry like dwarfed Fryermuth, and Fryermuth is like six, five two fifty. And now you put now you got another guy the size of Gentry who's just way more athletic in Washington. So watching the tight ends will be fascinating. But it is certainly possible that that Pat Fryermuth, who was developing some really good chemistry with Kenny Pickett late in the season last year, just takes his game to another level this year. That year three for Fryermuth is the Pro Bowl breakout year. And that would really elevate the Steelers offense and give them a ton of options as well. So it's hard to pinpoint. I mean, if you if you said to me like predict the Steeler the 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 the, the catalyst of the Steelers offense for 2023, who's going to be the guy that really makes it go? I mean, the most common answers would be Najee Harris or Kenny Pickett, but it might be a guy like Fryermuth because in the in the in today's NFL, offenses are increasingly uh, not run through the tight end, but tight ends are playing more and more valuable roles because of how how diverse they are, and it'd be really interesting to see if the Steelers wind up doing something similar through Fryermuth. Yeah, definitely. And that's something that we are looking to see. Another thing that has a lot of people scratching their heads, and yes, they're talking about the Steelers' lack of depth, lack of skill at inside linebacker. But even though you don't have Pro Bowls with guys like Landon Roberts and Cole Holcomb, you've got some pretty accomplished players, right? And especially pretty intelligent players, guys that have worn the green dots. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? You look at uh, at Holcomb, who wore the green dot pretty regularly in Washington, and Roberts did so at times in New England. If you're, if you're wearing the green dot in a Bill Belichick defense, that speaks volumes about your football IQ. So there are concerns about the productivity of Holcomb and Roberts on the field. 
their ability to stay healthy. That's a really legitimate concern. The lack of depth would really Mark Robinson is the only other backer behind them. And I mean, he's played all of 40 some NFL snaps. So legitimate questions. But in some ways, it may be that the Steelers recognize that these guys are so cerebral and that they understand defense so well that the that the Steelers are going to be able to do a lot of different things. When you've got smart football players on the field, so-called coaches on the field, guys who can get everybody else aligned and who understand conceptually how the defense is supposed to function, it frees you up to be able to really open up your call sheet and really, really get into some creative stuff. And you know, I don't know if the Steelers had that last year with Devin Bush and Miles Jack. I mean, Devin Bush never became uh, a leader of the Steelers' defense in, in a way that I think maybe some people thought that he might as the 10th overall pick in the draft. And, you know, Miles Jack was in his first year with the Steelers, acclimating himself to a new system. And while he wore the green dot at times, I think that that was more um, an issue of like, functionality than it was of him being really that on-field general, so to speak. So they've gone out and they've gotten two really, really smart, uh, experienced linebackers who offer a lot in terms of their leadership on the field. And that could speak volumes about, you know, why they haven't gone in and, and found other linebackers. Now they may still do it, but they might feel pretty content with, with what they've gotten those two guys. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and take a little bit of a break. We've got two more things that, you know, Steeler Nation isn't really talking too much about, but maybe we should start thinking about chatting and opening our mouths about it. We're going to do that, and we are going to do that when we come back next. It's Here We Go, the Steeler Show from Steel Curtain Network and Fans First Sports Little JCB, it's worst looking man. It is uh, Brian Anthony Davis. It is Kevin Thatcher Smith. I'm bad. He's KT, and we are here to talk about training camp. And everybody's talking about training camp. We are so excited for what is about to happen in scenic Latrobe, Pennsylvania. But what's not being talked about too much? We've already talked about a few things, different aspects of Matt Canada and the offense, and also the cerebral part of the inside linebackers and why some of those guys are there and what we should maybe be excited about. So that was in the first half of the show in the second half of the show. Well, we are going to talk about so much more. Kevin, what's next on your mind? Well, here's a topic that's understandably not talked about very often because I think few fans really a understand how they work, but B aren't the most exciting element of football for most people. It's kind of like a thing that happens in between when the offense and the defense are doing what they do, but it's the special teams. And so the Steelers are, are a little bit in flux in terms of their special teams right now, simply because they either uh, parted ways with or lost through free agency or potentially as we look forward may wind up cutting some pretty valuable special teams contributors from last year, like Benny Snell's gone. He was a good special teams contributor. And Miles Boykin, who I thought was one of the best special teams contributors last year, is still around, uh, but it, but may not make the team. 
Arthur Mollette's gone. I mean, Gunnar Olszewski may, may not make the team. Steven Sims is gone between Olszewski and Sims. Those were the two primary return guys last year. Snell was a do-it-all guy on special teams. Boykin's been that, that guy, and if he's not back, he's a pretty significant loss. And you think about the linebackers that they brought in, Roberts and Holcomb, those are not special teams guys. Those are not guys who have a whole lot of experience in playing special teams. Allen Robinson's not going to play special teams uh, at 31 years old or 30 years old. So you're going to have to rely on some of the draft picks uh, and on maybe some fringe roster guys to fill those special team spots. And I think that that's, I don't want to say cause for concern right now. The Steelers were sort of middle of the pack last year in their special teams rankings, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on, right? How will the special teams fare? Because we, you know, we've all seen games flip on a big special teams play, especially on the punt unit. Uh, I can't remember the exact statistic, but there's, there's a, a really glaring statistic that, that says something along the lines of if you block a punt or you run a punt back for a touchdown in a game, you win like 80 something percent of the time. Uh, it's really, it's really uh, a, a, an amazing statistic when you think about it. And, and obviously now that's something the Steelers have to be cognizant of given some of their losses this off season. Yeah, it's absolutely something that they do need to think about and look about. But let me ask you this. Is that the best area of your team to have turnover with? Because those are the kind of guys that you could turn into very valuable special teamers. Well, you'd certainly, if you're going to rank them and you're going to say like, hey, we're not very good in in one of the three phases of the games, of of the game, uh, special teams, is the one you want it to be, right? You don't want to be like, hey, we're great on special teams, but we stink on defense, right? You're you're not going to win games like that. So, uh, and I'm not saying the Steelers stink on special teams. They again, they they were they were middle of the of the league in most of the special teams ratings last year. But again, given the turnover, there's going to be some questions there. There's a few questions too about Presley Harvin, the punter. Uh, a lot of people were anticipating, I think, more from him last year. His rookie year was a little bit shaky. He got a little bit better last year, but I think people have expected since he was a draft pick and not, uh, you know, an undrafted free agent or a waiver wire guy. I think I think people have expected a little more from him. And if he can't show better growth, then that's going to be problematic. I mean, how, we've seen the incredible advantages that having a great punter can bring you just the ability to pin opposing teams back deep. Uh, you know, you, you come up with a big punt late in a game that that buries your opponent down at like their own seven yard line when when there's only a couple minutes left to play. And not only is it great from a strategic standpoint, but it's such an uplifter from an emotional standpoint. A big punt can change the game. And so can like a terrible one. Right. You know, you know you're late in the game. You need the punter to make a good play. And he shanks one for 24 yards. And it's like the air comes out of the balloon. So there's, it'll be interesting to see the progress of Harvin as well and whether or not he gets pushed this year for a roster spot. Especially when you look at the other sideline and you see eight and nine, and that's Lamar Jackson and then Justin Tucker. You know, they don't need to move the chains that much to get into range for that guy. Right. Yeah, Justin Tucker's kind of, uh, if, you, if you just cross midfield, you're in Justin Tucker's field goal range. Now, the Steelers do have Chris Boswell, who continues to be a top 10 kicker in the NFL. And other than that offseason he had a couple years ago, he's he's just been rock solid for them. So that's one of the, the steadiest 
parts of the game. You know, now while we're talking about special teams, one thing I've never understood that the Steelers occasionally do, and I just from a coaching standpoint, I'd love to know the answer to this is Chris Boswell is capable of kicking the ball into the end zone just about every time out. Yet the Steelers have him purposefully lay it up, so to speak. Like if they were going to use a golf term, right? He lays up sometimes or he'll kick the ball down to the 10. And I'm sure they're trying to get good hang time and, and run down maybe and with great special teams coverage and, and pin a guy on the 17 or 18. But it never seems to work out like that. It, it feels to me like when the Steelers kick, kick it short that, uh, that the other team always winds up starting around the 35-yard line as opposed to 25. So I'd, always, I'd love to know the answer to that. Why don't they have Boswell just pound the ball out of the back of the end zone all the time? Yeah, because one nice pass and you're past mis- midfield just like that. It is crazy. You start, you start the way the kickers are today, man. You're right. You start on the 35, 36, you hit a nice crossing route for 20 yards. Boom. You're just about in field goal range. It's amazing how fast that happens. All right. There's about one more thing that we need to look at here that we haven't looked at with, uh, with magnifying glasses. What is that, Kevin? Well, I think one more thing that's interesting and that I don't know if there's been a lot of talk about is fit. Like how does the Steelers team fit together? Right, especially on defense, are they a puzzle that fits well? Are are the additions that they've made uh, in the in the secondary, for example, bringing in Patrick Peterson, drafting Joey Porter Jr., uh, Corey Trice, expected maybe to see some some time in the rotation as well. Do they fit with what the Steelers want to do schematically? We've seen the Steelers play a lot of man coverage uh, over the last two years. They've really gone from being a zone team to a man team. Does Patrick Peterson fit in that scheme? He, he wasn't really a man corner last season in Minnesota. So will he be more of a man cover guy in Pittsburgh? Will, will he be able to handle that role? Will Joey Porter Jr. be able to handle it? He's built like a long cover two corner. How fast will he uh, make the transition to being able to play man-to-man coverage in the NFL? And then we've mentioned the linebackers, right? How how well do they fit? Uh, Roberts is a real downhill banger in the, in the Vince Williams mold. Holcomb's a little bit more athletic, but neither one of those guys is – uh, in the mold of a Ryan Shazier. A few people are, but neither one of those guys are true sideline to sideline guys. So so do they fit there? What about Keanu O'Neill or DeMonte Kazee at safety? Do they do they fit into this defense the way Terrell Edmonds did? Terrell Edmonds solved a lot of problems for the Steelers by being able to play in the box and and be too high when you needed him to. He was really versatile. Are, are Neal and or Kazee versatile enough to be able to to run some of those same schemes or do the Steelers change their scheme to mold it more towards what Kazee and, and Ken O'Neill can do. So it'll be really, really interesting to see if the Steelers are the same schematically on defense this year, given all the new pieces, or if the scheme evolves to fit the talent of the players they brought in. Absolutely. I think that is something to really ponder and something we should be talking about. One thing that we know that we're going to talk about it's a number, and it's how many days until the Steelers play for real. We're not talking about preseason. We're not talking about any of those games that the Steelers will be playing against the likes of Buffalo and Atlanta and, I believe, Tampa, if I'm not mistaken. We're not talking about those teams. We're talking about when the Steelers open up at home against the San Francisco 49ers. How many days is that, Kevin? So by my count, it is 47 days, 47 days, the same number of years that I think by my rough calculations, I've been a Steelers fan. 
There you go. 47 to go, right? Till we kick it off uh, with the Niners. And the number of our dude of the week. Absolutely, right? Uh, I, I We could pause and let all of the Steelers fans out there ponder it, but I think everybody knows, right? Who is it, Brian? It is one Melvin Cornell Blunt. Yeah, Mel Blunt, man. So so good that they that they have a rule with his name affixed to it. If you get an if you get a rule a rule with your name on it, that means that you're a damn good. And you know what? The Steelers have two of those guys. They've got Heinz Ward. There's a Heinz Ward rule. Is that the crackback rule? The uh, what's I can't, I can't remember what's the Heinz Ward rule exactly. It's uh after it, it is the crackback block. Yeah, it's after uh, Keith Rivers was drinking out of a a straw for a long time in Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I can't, I, I gotta say like, uh, I don't, I don't want this to sound terrible, but as somebody who played, played football back in the eighties and nineties, when, when those types of almost like lived for, there's a little bit of, there's a little part of me that's sad to see him go. Right. I know that that sounds terrible. I understand player safety is paramount. And I really agree. I, I think that they made the game, uh, safer and and for the better, right? My son's 10 years old. He plays football. I think if some of the things that were legal when I played were still legal today, I would have some questions about him playing, especially since he's a quarterback and the things that used to be encouraged. When I was in college, when we, I played safety and we would you know, practice our blitz stunts and our, our coach would teach us that when, when you got to the quarterback, right, that you tried to put your the crown of your helmet under his chin because that was how you knocked him out of the game, right? I mean, and that was legal. It wasn't dirty at the time because if you hit a quarterback like that, uh, it was considered legal. I mean, the only rule against the quarterback was you couldn't take more than two steps. But, man, if you led with your helmet, if you you know landed on him, whatever, that was all legal. So uh, it was encouraged. But, uh, but uh, you know, I, 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 there's a physical element I, I at times miss. But at the same time, you get you get why they did it. So the Heinz Ward rule is understandable. The Mel Blunt rule uh, is like it's fascinating to go back and watch old video because as a defensive back, you used to be able to mug the receivers down the field. So I mean, the the, the chuck you could you could grab them, chuck them, whatever, as long as the ball wasn't in the air. So good luck trying to run like four verticals or something deep down the field because your uh, your receivers were going to get manhandled the entire way. So there is something so fantastic about the Mel Blunt role. They made this role to kind of weaken the Steelers and give other teams another edge. And Mel Blunt was absolutely fantastic. He was physical. Even he was still a good corner when they made that role. But what happened? The Pittsburgh Steelers on offense opened it up. Yeah. And they went down the field and they made teams pay. They made everybody in the NFL pay. For the Mel Blunt role, because now they're putting up 35, 40 some points a game. Yeah, that's a great point, right? They the Mel Blunt rule really unleashed Lynn Swan and John Stallworth. Absolutely. And it it made a superstar out of Terry Bradshaw, who was sure. good, but it turned him into the Blunt Bomber. Absolutely. So is it safe to say that Mel Blunt is our dude of the week? It's got he's gotta be our dude of the week. Hell, Some, hell yeah. For something like this, yeah, it's Mel Blunt. Well, Kevin, and, and just the fact that Mel Blunt still today shows up on the sideline wearing his cowboy hat and his cowboy boots and still looking like maybe if he had to, he might be able to play a series. Yeah, you know, like he still looks like he's a dude. Like he still looks like a guy that like if he walks into the room, you immediately take notice. Absolutely. And one more thing about Mel Blunt. 
he uh, takes care of the community. He is a very big community guy, especially what he's done with his ranch with uh, um, underprivileged youth in the Pittsburgh area. And I believe he's done that in Texas as well. Um, very good things for Mel Blunt. Yeah, for sure. Worthy recipient, no doubt. All right. We are going to be starting talking about dudes that are uh, putting on pads for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Even though we think Mel Blunt could put on pads right now, we're going to be realistic and say there's going to be a whole lot of candidates for dude of the week. And I think next week we should even consider giving our dark horse guys, our guys and something we have always done. It's the Isaac Redman award. We're going to continue something like that. And who would be your Isaac Redman award winner so far? A guy that you're not expected too much from. Well, we're going to talk about that next week too. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have real, uh, real Steeler football to talk about and real, not, not as in the, this regular season, but the evolution of the 2023 Pittsburgh Steelers on the field will, will begin. That's exciting. All right. We are going to do it and we are going to do it in style here at Steel Curtain Network for Kevin Smith. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Kevin, you have anything else going on? Yeah, I just uh, been doing some team previews over on fans first and then the call sheet, new episode of the call sheet is going to be out tomorrow and we're going to be talking about NFL coaching trees and where do some of the some of the the coaches in the league where do they come from where, from whom did they learn their philosophies who are who are their big influences uh, and then in the second half of the show we'll we'll focus on uh, the a team that re- reminds us an awful lot of the Pittsburgh Steelers the Atlanta Falcons uh, and because they they're taking a pretty unique approach I think to uh, to football in 2023 doing a little bit of zigging as everybody else zags so that that'll be our episode tomorrow i love it check that out on fans first sports network we're also going to have a presentation on steel curtain network as well for kevin smith my name is brian anthony davis this has been the steel curtain network a part of fans first sports network go ahead check it out wherever you download your favorite podcasts for kt i'm bad Keep your feet on the ground. Keep reaching for those hypocycloids. Mm-hmm.